Good morning and welcome to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. And uh, good morning, Jeff. Uh, a couple of things to speak about this morning uh, in regards to uh, some sporting activities. Uh, I noticed where the Saints uh, announced their practice schedules uh, recently. And uh, so if you fans, uh, and there are a few that end up going down there to watch them practice and all. So uh, that's going to, I'm going to that article I saw this morning with regards to if you want to go watch the uh, Saints uh, practice. And uh, they've got people that do. Uh, They announced their training camp schedule, including 10 dates. The team will make uh, practice open to the public. Uh, Saints training camp will begin with a close to the public practice starting July 27th. When you think about it, that's only uh, two weeks away. Uh, The first of 24 scheduled practices before the start of the regular season. The team will open practice to the public for the first time on Saturday, July 30th, as part of the NFL's Back Together Saturday initiative. The news release, the Saints said the first open practice will include a multitude of uh, interactive entertainment elements that will be announced soon. Bleacher seating at practices, which are scheduled to begin at 9 a.m., will be covered uh, and misted. I guess it's with those little uh, hoses sprinkling uh, 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 dew drops on you and all. That's interesting. Anyway, tickets for the practices open to the public are free, but capacity is limited. Fans can reserve tickets for open practices at the team's Oshner Sports Performance Center by registering at uh, com. So uh, Saints season ticket holders can uh, register for training camp tickets on July 18th. Season ticket waiting list members can register July 19th, and the public can register July 20th. Tickets will be available starting at 10 a.m. each day. And uh, they go ahead and list all the dates, which includes, of course, the first one being July 30th, August 1st, 2nd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 8th, 10th, 11th, 21st. And the Saints will also have two joint practices with the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which will uh, be open to the public August 16th and 17th. I I don't know many people that will make that uh, particular jaunt up to Green Bay, Wisconsin. I was going to say, yeah. And and one thing, it should be cool up in Green Bay at that time of the year, August 16th and 17th. It it, it could be 90 degrees, though, too. Well, Uh, true. You you never know for sure Um, that time of year. It can be pretty hot up there. Of course, the Saints uh, trained in La Crosse, Wisconsin for uh, many years. They did. uh, Just to get out of the heat. Uh, They've kind of abandoned that attitude. And I'll I'll caution folks, too, if you're thinking about making that trip uh, on a – particular day check the forecast because if it does rain they move things inside and the public's not allowed so just that, that's right check, check the forecast before you go that that's correct so uh with that uh and the saints uh you know they're they're going to be in the news a lot lately and hopefully we'll be able to follow them and give you a lot of information too in that regard uh you know a couple articles about Jameis winston uh and, you know, went 5-2 and two last year before he got hurt with uh, the knee injury. Uh, elsewhere, uh, you know, Saints uh, just uh, right around the corner. They talked about Marcus Colson a little bit this morning. Uh, rose from a seventh rounder. He's going to be inducted into the Greater New Orleans Sports Hall of Fame. I don't know if you've ever attended that function in New Orleans, Jeff, when you were over in that area of the state at that time. Kenny Trahan has invited me many times, and I never have made it to that uh, event. Time of day always seemed off. Yeah, it, yeah, and it just, uh, you know, he's being inducted, and uh, I was looking at some of the uh, prognostications with regards to the Saints. Uh, I mean, people taking the liberty of announcing their 53-man roster, and they haven't even ta- started yet the workouts and all. And uh, this one uh, particular sports writer has 31 are returning members, 22 are new to the squad, and uh, they're talking about uh, – with um, so many candidates right now, I think uh, there's approximately what 90 on the official roster that has to be cut down until uh, uh, I guess the week uh, around Labor Day and all when they cut down to 53 and put practice player rosters up and all that. So uh, they also even talked about the cheerleaders, dancers, sign waivers, and others. Uh, the cheer crew posted videos of additions they made and also Saints uh, official YouTube page. So uh, a lot going on with the Saints right now over in uh, Metairie. 
and the Saints roster and crew members. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did did the Saints get rid of the sensations? Yes. Yeah, I thought they did, huh? Yeah, they, with they COVID. They the sensations. The Saints. Sensations is down center street. Yeah, not to give uh, uh, Mr. Henry a plug. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, sense, the sensations, right? Is that it? Sensations. I got it the third time correctly. And uh, the, they were disbanded. Uh, was that the COVID that initiated that? Or? Perhaps so, but they just rebranded them. Okay. It's uh, now... I think they have a cheer squad. More, more inclusive. You know, I look at high school and the college game more, the cheer squads. I just – I don't – and uh, you've attended many NFL games like I have, and I just the, – the cheer – you just don't see them. You know, it's a little different in the NFL with regards to uh, – they're mostly gymnasts and do acrobatics and things like that. Of course, not saying that the college and high school kids don't do that too, but uh, I just didn't see the need – for a cheering squad at a professional football game. No, n- never really, especially, you know, the um, they're not going to get the crowd going. That That is, in high school, a cheer crew could get the house going a little bit because they're, they're, they're much closer to it. Yes. Whereas if you're trying to get 70,000 people going and only about uh, a fraction of that can actually see and hear what it is you're saying... Uh, yeah, it's just not the same. Uh, yeah, I agree with that, and uh, I was always – and for the most part, the cheers leading squads in high school, the kids you know you went to school with, meaning uh, as students uh, getting their their peers to cheer, and uh, pretty much the same in college. You know, you have classes with them and go about with the NFL, just, I don't know, just uh, much different in that regard uh, for that. Uh, just trying to look around, uh, uh, Jeff, with uh, – Major League Baseball news, uh, nothing uh, – I, I saw well, Pujols hit a home run last night and high-fived Nelly coming back into the dugout, the uh, rapper Nelly, uh, as he smashed his, uh, I think, sixth home run of the year. Uh, elsewhere in Major League Baseball, they talked about uh, just odds and ends uh, in that regard. Uh, I don't know if there was anything that you caught maybe from the games last night. Uh, the only nature. little bit of uh, the Orioles game. Uh, beat yeah, the they're Cubs. the hot team right now. Nine, huh? nine in a row for the Orioles. And, you know, a suggestion that maybe as a way to thank the fans, the endearing fans who have stuck by that team, about being buyers in this oh, okay. trend uh, of – Dumping players at the trading deadline. Right. Uh, how, how about being some buyers and maybe they can make a move? Although, you know, I, I don't think they're going to catch the Yankees, but they certainly could have a wild card slot in their well, future. Well, you, you know, it's amazing. Uh, as you mentioned that, I pulled up the American League East uh, uh, division, and everybody in that division has a 500 record. Yeah. That, that's truly amazing. And, and it it makes the fact that the Yankees are – kicking butt that much more impressive because they're playing more games against good teams. Yeah, and not only that, the Yankees are uh, the last 10, they're 5-5. Five and five. They've lost three in a row. Yeah. And uh, they're 61-26, and 26, and they're playing right at a seven, winning 7 out of 10 games. And Tampa Bay's next in line at 14 back. Uh, Boston's 14 and a half, and Toronto's 15 and a half. So all those teams basically, I'm sure, fighting for a wild card over in the Central. Minnesota still has a Three-and-a-half game lead over Cleveland. Uh, the White Sox are a five-back. Uh, Detroit, ten-and-a-half. And Kansas City uh, struggling uh, last place. Uh, they're 13-back over in the West. Houston is starting to play some good baseball. But Seattle also has picked up the pace. They're nine-and-one in their last ten. Houston, eight-and-two. Houston's playing at a – they win two out of three when they're in that uh, regard. Elsewhere, the – in the National League East, uh, the Mets have a slight lead over the Braves, who've caught fire in the last month or so. Uh, they're a game and a half on top of Atlanta, Philadelphia, eight back, Miami, 12 back, and Washington, uh, 24 back. Hard to believe just uh, three years ago they were the reigning uh, world champions. In the Central, Milwaukee uh, still holding on to a two uh, game lead over the Cardinals. Uh, Pittsburgh, 11 back, the Cubs, uh, 14 and a half, Cincinnati, 15 and a half. The Dodgers last night uh, last night lose to the Cardinals uh, seven to six, but the Dodgers maintain a seven and a half game lead over San Diego, twelve over San Francisco, eighteen over the Arizona and Colorado. Also eighteen back, they're tied 
uh, for fourth place or basically last in the in the NL West right now. So uh, baseball, the All-Star game uh, uh, Tuesday night, uh, home run uh, derby Monday night, and, of course, uh, the last of the games uh, Sunday, probably Sunday afternoon. I don't know if they'll have a Sunday night game. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think they do have a Sunday night game. Uh, scheduled uh, before the All-Star Gate. So some of those players that uh, maybe on the East Coast have to hustle to get over to uh, Los Angeles for the All-Star Game to be played in Dodger Stadium. Uh, Tuesday night, uh, I think the first pitch is around 7.15, 7.30, somewhere in there. Home run derby, uh, I don't yeah, know what time. Usually about the same time. Yeah, usually uh, you're right about that. Uh, any other uh, little uh, – I was trying to find even um, – I saw a nice article, too, with regards to some high school recruiting about the young man from St. Martinville in uh, Harvey Broussard, who's um, – Advocate had a story. Um, yeah, I uh, think it was, that's maybe the so- story I saw. Uh, just, a, you know, he's an outstanding young man. Just uh, he'll have a whole lot of choices to make with regards to uh, deciding where he wants to play uh, uh, collegiate football in the next uh, four, four to five years if uh, things go to course. So uh, – Pretty. Uh, I, I didn't realize he was as big as he was. They listed him at six four, hundred and eighty pounds, uh, and just an athlete. Uh, caught um, I don't know, somewhere in the vicinity of fifty passes last year for close to or over a thousand yards. I think the advocate, as you mentioned, uh, had a nice article on him. Uh, hopefully, maybe uh, I don't know. Uh, we haven't really finalized any of our high school schedules yet. I know last year you did St. Martinville. And Nish, I don't think he – could you remember the young man uh, in the game at all? No, what I remember so much uh, is the quarterback-running back tandem that really uh, dominated that running game of theirs was very impressive. It was early in the season. You didn't know how bad Nish was going to be, or at uh-huh. least their record would indicate it. Um, but uh, that that particular game, those tailback and quarterback stood out. Yeah, and um, it's uh, you know St. Martinville went a little ways. You know, not only is he a, was he a great, a pretty good football player, he also dominated on the basketball court. He averaged like seventeen points a game, ten rebounds, and uh, I think he qualified for three or four events at the state track meet. So he's a young man to keep an eye on. I'm sure the Cajuns uh, uh, have uh, uh, their thoughts on him. Uh, to, spend a lot of time with him he's going to have an opportunity as i mentioned to play for a big time program and he he by the way um i think he's got in the neighborhood of 30 offers right now to play so just all over keeping his options open oh absolutely uh that young man uh will have an opportunity as i mentioned to play in uh in uh uh, collegiate football so speaking of st martinville did you see where they're going to be hosting Southside football this no. year. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, Southside has been playing their varsity football games at Turlings. Okay. Because they don't have their own facility. Um, kind of surprised um, that was the location. But now, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't mention why Turlings wasn't an option anymore, but St. Martinville is an option. So they're going to share uh, that stadium. Uh, called it a really nice complex. I was never real impressed with it, uh, especially where the press box is and how you have to get there. It's yeah. kind of a awkward situation. Uh, apparently they have turfed the field, uh, an artificial surface, but I uh, uh, apparently know their Lafayette Parish facility was available, and you'd think really? the school board's going to pay the 1500 bucks a game because I guess they feel bad that they don't have their own facility. Yeah, when they built the school, they forgot yeah. to put the stadium in. They got in. some space. I don't yeah, know. That they do. They're out there in uh, the Youngsville area. There is room for uh, a, a facility, athletic facility. You know, it's kind of surprising. Uh, they are in – Southside is in Lafayette Parish. I'm I'm surprised. Of course, Clark feels, what, seven, eight, ten miles away, but so is St. Martinville for that matter. In fact, he said it was 11 miles to Turling, 10 miles to St. Martinville, but maybe an easier access straight down 92 and up 31, um, maybe a little less traffic to deal with. Yeah, and I'm kind of surprised Clark Field wasn't available. I know Turling's in, and before St. Uh, Cathedral, St. Thomas More played most of their games there at Clark Field, of course, 
Uh, Northside has their own field. Oh, I'm, I'm sure oh, they, it was uh, Como, Como has their own field. You know, you think that they could work out something with Como. That would just be right up the road on uh, Collie Saloon. Uh, not Collie Saloon, but uh, Verod School Road. And I, No turf fields in Lafayette. I think they're all natural grass. Yeah, for and the public schools, I think St. Thomas More has a turf field. It does, it okay. does. But I'm, I'm thinking public schools and... Maybe they wanted to be on a turf field because, uh, as we know from Lloyd G. Porter, when Nish and Westgate were there, easy to tear that field yeah, up. Yeah, it was. Um, especially with two different teams, and you get one of them on a rainy night, and, boy, it can be bad. Yeah. So it may have been that situation that they were looking for a artificial turf field. And uh, just speaking of Harvey Broussard, I uh, just came across that article you mentioned. Uh, uh, he's 6'4", 185 pounds, caught 47 balls last year for 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns while helping the Tigers to the semifinals. Uh, 31 scholarship offers uh, and, and hasn't scheduled any official visits, uh, considering trips to Virginia, Baylor, Cincinnati, Florida, LSU have all offered scholarships. Except for LSU, it says here. Virginia sees him as a top receiver. Uh, also, uh, in that regard, he um, they mentioned about you know the other prowess he had. Jabar Jaluk and Corey Raymond uh, are recruiting him for the University of Florida, which uh, enters its first season, of course, under Billy Napier, who was the longtime Cajun coach. Uh, he said when Coach Raymond came to the school in the spring, it was nothing but love. Bruce said he's known Napier since he was a sophomore. Florida coaches said, I'm the only receiver out of Louisiana they're recruiting. Uh, meanwhile, uh, at the camp, Brian Kelly told me they love the way I handle my business at, up at LSU. And they're contacting me daily since then. They said they're coming with an offer. Bruce Hart, who caught seven balls for a season-high 238 yards and four touchdowns in week nine in a win over Turlings. Uh, said he'll comment, commit and sign when the program makes him the mo- feel the most at home. Uh, he averaged 17 points, 10 rebounds a game in high school, man- making honorable mention all state as a junior. He qualified for the state track meet in the long jump, triple jump, and high jump, and placed second in the triple jump. So, uh, young man's got uh, some athletic abilities. So we'll see uh, Harvey Broussard, uh, young man out of St. Martinville, who's Going to have uh, plenty of opportunities. Uh, a lot of hard decisions, too, you, you know, when you think you selected the right school. And it's, I, I don't know, I, it seemed like I'd select the school that I feel like I fit in best and feel at home, like he stated. Of course, a lot of these uh, college coaches' uh, jobs depend on who they bring in and all. And uh, I'm sure the NIL is going to come into play, too, in that regard with him, uh, whatever school he may sign maybe, with. Maybe that's why he's impressed with the business program, <laughs> because he wants to make sure his affairs are in order with NIL and things like that. But uh, great that he, he references that. I hope he's sincere about uh, school being an important factor sure. in where he goes. Uh, so it's nice to see. Yeah, and it is, and it's also you like to see these kids come away with their degree, even though maybe they might have an opportunity to – Exit college early, maybe after his junior year. I don't think he can go after his sophomore, maybe if he's 21. Not sure what the NFL uh, prerequisite is on that. But hopefully he'll he'll have an opportunity, uh, get his college degree, move on to the uh, NFL and do well. Of course, he's got to finish out his senior year first. And hopefully he can just enjoy that, too. Yeah, that's right. It's a lot of fun. You know, uh, you see a lot of these kids head off to college uh, in January uh, during their senior year, and they miss out on a lot of things, whether it be their uh, senior prom or other activities with their classmates and friends. So uh, a lot of tough decisions for a lot of these youngsters. And we're talking youngsters, most of them 17, 18 years old. And it's uh, a changing time in your life uh, when you've got to make those decisions, and hopefully you can make the right ones. Uh, yeah. that, that's tough. It really is. Anyway, um, I'm trying to think anything else before we uh, wrap up here in the first uh, segment of uh, Bayou Sports. So. Well, little LSU news. Uh, they're expected to hire West Virginia Deputy Athletic Director, Chief Operating Officer, uh, quite the title there, Kelly Zinn, as the second highest ranking member of the AD uh, under Scott Woodward. Uh, Zinn will replace former Executive Athletic Director, CEO Stephanie Rempe, who left last month to become the AD at Nevada. Rempe had spent three years at LSU. Announcement is expected in the coming days. West Virginia graduate Zinn worked in her alma mater's athletic department since 2010, 
started in compliance before moving up to the number two position at that building. At one point, Zinn served as interim athletic director for three months, making her the first woman to hold that position in school history. So expecting uh, Scout Woodward to make that announcement soon. And, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, and, uh, also a West Virginia graduate, so kind of tough to leave your uh, your uh, alma mater to go uh, to the Deep South to uh, take over, but with a number two uh, position in the LSU Athletic Department, uh, I'm sure she's being handsomely paid, too, for that matter. I think we talked about this yesterday, but it's official. Liberty High School running back Caleb Jackson committed to LSU in front of teammates in the school's gym on Tuesday morning. No media allowed in the gym for the announcement, which Jackson made in front of a set of teammates. His commitment gave the Tigers the top two uh, 2023 running backs in the state. Trey Holly of Union Parish, we talked about earlier, yes. had previously committed. Again, they've committed verbally. No signing uh, at this point, again, as they're 2023 graduates. Yeah, and that's uh, that's going to be, uh, I think LSU has 13 total commitments, maybe 14 now with the commitment of that running back out of uh, Liberty, which we mentioned, Liberty, the former uh, Robert E. Lee High School, uh, uh, with a name change uh, in that regard. Uh, so... We'll see how that all comes into play uh, with that. Of course, recruiting, uh, I'm a big believer it's not over until the young man puts his name no, no doubt. on the signature on his uh, grant and aid or a national letter of intent. So the, that all comes to fruition sometime in, the, I think, the third uh, Saturday or maybe it's the uh, third third Wednesday in December, and then the final it's, national. It's sometime just before Christmas. Yeah, and usually part of the idea is to... Uh, allow these players to enjoy the holidays without the pressure of uh, being recruited. Yeah, just, uh, of course, they do have a dead period, I think, uh, from Christmas maybe into the first or second uh, day of the new year. But anyway, uh, young man uh, committed to LSU, and I'm sure there's a lot more. I've just noticed that LSU this year, of course, with Kelly's background with national, being at Notre Dame, uh, he recruited very much nationally, and I think of the 12 or 13, possibly 14 commitments LSU has, I think only three or four from the state of Louisiana usually. They're pretty heavy into Louisiana recruiting, so don't know if that's a, a trademark Tiger fans are going to have to see in the next few uh, years with Kelly being there as they go on a national uh, search. I don't think they're going to ignore five-star players out no, of the state of Louisiana. I, I agree I mean, with you on that. And I think they, they picked up a five, one of their first five-star players they picked up was a wide receiver out of Miami somewhere who had narrowed his choices down to LSU and a few others and uh, committed to the Tigers again until he signs on that dotted line. But th- that um, recruiting process uh, just kind of surprised me because LSU has always been uh, – if they'd signed 25 kids, uh, 12 or 13 of them would be from the state of Louisiana. I'm not saying that you know, they've got 13, 14 commitments now. I wouldn't be surprised. They concentrate their efforts now within the state and in Texas, uh, Mississippi, Alabama – and in, uh, in the surrounding uh, region. So, but still a long ways away. Well, what is an immortal lock, especially with the uh, schools uh, in the SEC, is that Louisiana players want to stay. In yeah, state pretty much. Two. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, and it's hard, you know, to beat uh, Alabama on a kid from Alabama or a kid from Georgia. That uh, so it's 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 a tough it's a tough business. Uh, I know Coach Indessa uh, was in the college game for one year, and he said he'd never go back to it. <laughs> so uh, he said, you're never home, and uh, recruiting is the name of the game for our uh, college sports. Anyway, Jeff, uh, take our first break here this morning. You're listening to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio FM 107.5 and AM 1240. We'll be back with more right after this. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Kane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Kane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Kane Row and enjoy. 
Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford Mobile Service Van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle, and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports, and this a hump day, uh, July the 13th. Uh, meanwhile, Jeff, uh, I noticed this... Uh, uh, in uh, looking up a little baseball news, you know, I think is it is it next year or the following year? Well, uh, baseball defensively will not allow these shifts. In other words, you're going to have only you can only have so many men on one side of second base, so either way towards third or first. I think that's set to begin next year. Well, I want to throw this at you. I saw this out of the Florida State League. Uh, they they're limiting defensive shifts by drawing chalk lines in a pie shape from second base to the outfield grass starting July 22nd, prohibiting infielders from the marked area prior to the pitch in an experiment that can increase the offense. Major League Baseball has been testing uh, shift limits all season at AA and Class A, requiring teams to have four players on the infield, including two on each side of second base. The experiment in Class A Florida State League was first reported by the, uh, the newspaper Athletic and confirmed by Major League Baseball on Tuesday. Competition committee comprised of six management officials, four union representatives, and one umpire was establishing a new collective uh, bargain agreement. It has the right to make on-field change rules within 45 days of notice. And Major League Baseball is likely to institute the pitch clock next season, and it's been experimenting this season with a 14-second pitch clock with no runners and a 19-second pitch clock uh, with runners in AAA with an 18-second clock with no runners at lower levels. Minor league bases have uh, been uh, increased to 18 inches square from 15, and we've said for years that the minor leagues provide us with really important opportunity to experiment and learn to make, and we understand... uh, how we're going to work things out and deploy it on the field, said baseball commissioner Rob Manfred, uh, said last month. So uh, a lot of things, uh, changes in baseball, and they still have the the three batter rule, I think, for relief pitchers. Is that correct, uh, other than yeah. injury? And, of course, uh, games have been uh, for the last uh, two years. In extra innings, you put a man on the last out of the last uh, 10 That, that is coming to an end, though. Yeah, sure. that is. You're right. And something else, I think, was coming to an end, too. Of course, the designated hitter in the National League for the first time uh, since the American League uh, uh, brought it about in 1973 with uh, the initial uh, D.H. Ron Bloomberg with the Yankees. And I'm trying to think if there were some other changes. Like they said, the base has gotten a little bigger, three inches bigger. Uh, I don't think uh, we've seen any more players safer out in that regard. Uh, due to the three inches increase in the well, uh, it, it, the base is no closer. True. You know, well, it might be at second base. Second base to third, it would be tough not to. Uh, but you know, as far as first base, it would still be pushed back. It's really the width that they're concerned about, so that the say the first baseman doesn't have to as a little bit more of a cushion with the runner coming down the line. Right. That's correct. And. With that, uh, you know, the infield shifts, uh, I'm trying to recall where I saw an article. I don't know if it – I know Ted Williams, they uh, put that in place, uh, uh, I want to say in the 46 World Series uh, when the Cardinals played the Red Sox and that uh, the Cardinal manager, I think it was Solly Hemus at the time, 
moved uh, infielders. Uh, low, uh, you know, I thought Lou third. Boudreau was the one who uh, did yeah, the tenure. Well, and Boudreau might have been, yeah, with the uh, Indians when he started uh, at the manager playing shortstop for the uh, Indians back then, uh, the uh, now uh, Guardians. But th- those shifts, I don't know uh, what your feelings about uh, – I, I wouldn't mind seeing. Uh, so some, you need to learn how to beat the shift. That's right. That's I, what I believe. I, I, bunt okay. a little bit more. Why these lefties don't bunt down the third baseline just a little bit more often? Uh, that'll uh, change your shift. Or, or just look for an outside pitch and punch to right yeah. to, to left field uh, with uh, with the lefty, and the same thing with a righty. You know, if they're going to load up uh, the left side with the second baseman uh, over second base. That's a lot of room to look for just a pitch medium outside. Just instead of pu- trying to pull everything, um, that just uh, comes into play. Elsewhere, something else I wanted to bring up. We mentioned it uh, off the air uh, before we came on the air. Was that uh, horse racing now is uh, getting a little uh, news in that regard? With uh, right now, they're they're talking that, and I think they're implementing the effective July first that a jockey can only whip a horse six times in a race of, uh, say, eight furlongs, which is a mile or, or less, uh, maybe even uh, six furlongs. But uh, imagine beating a quarter horse only six times in a, in a 440-yard well, run. I do know run. that there have been races, and I'm not sure if jockeys have been suspended because of excessive hitting, um, unnecessarily hitting uh, those kind of things, but it wouldn't be the first time a jockey has been penalized for hitting excessively. Yes, uh, the, you're, I don't you're know if right there's about a formal that. number, but well, at one time there was a nine uh, nine. But uh, just talking to a couple, uh, I want to say trainers and uh, a former jockey, they were telling me that you know, you know, when you're paying. I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for an animal that uh, runs in a race. I think the biggest problem is the the medicine they feed them. And uh, yeah, whipping a horse with a, a leather strap, um, I don't know if you've owned a horse, but uh, the horse's hide is pretty tough. And, uh, it's it's of course, I can't imagine using an electric and some of those jockeys have done that. They, oh, yeah. A lot of them got caught. A lot of them haven't been caught, you know, when you have a, a, a cow probe or a buzz on them and all, which I think is illegal. But I think the big problem with horse racing is uh, trying to find the medication to give them that extra oomph. Robert Baffert, uh, Bob Baffert got caught uh, last year after the Derby. You know, that. And how long has he been doing that to his horses with regards to feeding them uh, uh, whatever uh, – health uh initiative just like the hgh for ball players or uh football players so uh i was trying to find that article talking about it uh our own uh attorney general was was questioning some of the uh remarks on it so uh, i I don't know i I, hopefully we can find maybe a a a former a manager or a trainer and get him on the air i'd like to find out about that horse racing has always been big and and hor- uh, dog racing, uh, you know, in Ebro over in Alabama, I've been there a few times, and yeah, it's quite exciting. Uh, I don't think you have to beat an animal. They chase a rabbit uh, around the track, those uh, greyhounds. But with thoroughbred racing, uh, not sure how uh, jockeys feel about that. I'd like to see if we can find out, uh, a former jockey and get him on the air. Might have to call in a few contacts with people I know in the horse racing industry and see what they think about that. But uh, beating a horse only six times in a, uh, a mile race or, a, or four, three, uh, four, four, six furlong race would be three quarters of a mile. So uh, curious to see how uh, that's going to be handled over in Evangeline Downs. Uh, interesting to see, Jeff, uh, with that. Hopefully we'll have more on it later, but... Uh, and just an interesting part of sports. We haven't talked that much about horse racing, but uh, should be uh, should be something that, that comes to fruition. Uh, of course, Evangeline Downs horse racing ends around uh, Labor Day, I think, weekend. It's when their last race is, and the fairground kicks up in New Orleans sometime uh, around Thanksgiving and ends after the Louisiana Derby. Interesting, though. Uh, just thought a little tidbit there. I don't know what else you may have uh, for us in this segment. Well, we've got a few stories, uh, and before we uh, hit on a couple of NFL topics, uh, let's go to the phones and say, hello, you're in the air. 
Hey, good morning, guys. I just wanted to give you my opinion on, on the uh, the whip uh, restrictions. Have you seen that um, article, uh, Box? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. And actually, there's quite a few tracks already, um, you know, enforcing it. Um, you know, so so here's the deal with that. I, I think definitely there's a a place for restrictions because, in all honesty, very few horses run a whole lot set by the time you start whipping a horse which is normally you know at the top of the stretch or in the stretch right they pretty much uh, you know gave you what they got there's very few that's going to suddenly accelerate now you know at the old evangeline downs <laughs> when you saw those, those battery packs come out and then, oh, yeah. then the horses took off like they were shot out of a cannon but and then there's actually a lot of horses and i'm not going to say the majority but a lot of them don't respond well to a whip. They they actually uh, uh, you know kind of flinch or they'll they'll kind of shut down. But where the whip it actually does come into play, and, and and this is where I think it's a little dangerous when you start restricting it, is it's really more of a steering wheel if you think about it for for jockeys because when your your horse starts getting tired in especially in the stretch, he starts bearing in. Then they take that whip. You know, he might be bearing into the right. You take you you whip him on the right to try to get him back to go to the left. They they respond a lot better that way than rather than make them go faster. You know, so I think if you restrict it, you might be you might see more racetrack accidents happen with horses. Uh, you know, um, clipping heels and and things like that, which would be kind of a tragedy. But I'm you know, I'm certainly no expert, but I would think. You know, dealing with the reins uh, to steer a horse would be better at first. Well, no, that, 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 no, because at that point in the stretch, you've you've got to have the reins totally loose. You can't you can't jerk them on. You know that that would totally throw them off. The the reins are that in the you know in the early part, you're using them to 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 kind of you can use a little bit to guide in the early part of the race and and more to save their energy. But in the stretch, you got to let him. Uh, get off the bit and um, you know and, and have the, the reins loose. Um, but uh, I have I have personally seen way too many cases where a horse is ahead by five ten lengths and there's no need and the jockey just continues whipping 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 through the through the finish line. You know, so um, the old school of thought was well that's so they don't get lazy, don't get complacent. You know, you want but. I think that's kind of an outdated way of thinking. And that's just my opinion. But, but I do think that there needs to be some sort of restriction. But I think when it's, when it's used for guidance purposes as opposed to, to, to you know, you, you, when, when somebody's when they're really whipping them to try to get them to accelerate, it's on the, on the flank, on the, on the hind end, whereas the, the theorem is more on the, on the shoulders, you know, to try to get them to go back uh, the other direction. So just my two cents, but I, I think anything that can be done to – to kind of appease the masses and, and, and make it look less like, um, you know, abuse, I guess, <laughs> it would be a good thing. And uh, I think you'll see a move toward that, toward a lot of a lot of more drug-free racing, which, you know, again, is something that needs to to be looked at. You know. And I heard you talking about the, the Greyhounds, Tony. Yeah. I don't think that track's open. I, I'm pretty sure there's there may not be any more Greyhound tracks open in the uh, U.S. They they, they yeah, I tend yeah, to agree they, with you. They, they, they were the one over in Ebro over in uh, Alabama, I remember going two years ago. And I, I know there were a couple in in uh, Florida, and I'm not so sure they're open either. And that's kind of that industry yeah. is all but dried up, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, it, it really it, it did. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons for it. But, I, you know, uh, years ago on one of our trips to Gulf Shores, um, we had uh, – uh, one evening, uh, taking the kids, to, I thought it would be kind of cool, you know, to, to go sure. to Pensacola or something um, and watch the dogs run. And, and, you know, it's kind of wide open access, really, when you're there. You, you kind of walk back where the kennels are and stuff. And I'm going to tell you, it kind of sickened my stomach to see the conditions those dogs were, yeah, were living in back then. It was, it was bad, you know, and you that's why you see so many greyhounds up for rescue, you know, um, uh, after, uh, uh, same thing kind of with horse racing too. But, but I mean, you know, they, they, they send them to the, a lot of them, you know, if it's, you know, dog meat, unfortunately, but yeah. you can't do that with, 
with 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 the greyhounds, you know. So right. yeah, I think that that's just about 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 done, you know. So and it was crazy because you know I, I had I didn't know what to expect, and and you just kind of it's just really more you can't handicap that. It's kind of more like luck. You bet on a pretty color or whatever (laughs) but if like at the end of the race when i saw him drop this net and all the dogs just just ran into this net and just piled up on top of each other that's how they stopped them yeah i was like uh this is not really what i expected yeah then chasing a rabbit around the track uh uh, and i mean those those greyhounds could move too it was pretty impressive oh no watching them run i mean it 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 was uh that was my first experience in watching it and uh I had a friend that uh, she used to bet and on these right and she she'd win money. How she what formula she had, I don't know, but she did quite well. And uh she did well uh, recognizing uh horse uh horses, dogs and how they'd run. Uh and she did quite well. Yeah, it, it it's um it, it, but like I said, I'm pretty I'm I'm almost because I had a friend of mine who's parents used to uh run a, a dog track in um in in florida in tampa i believe and uh he, we were talking about that a while back and he's he was pretty sure too that the, the last ones that were still open had uh, had shut down so All right. it, it looks um, like but anyway i just wanted to west virginia west virginia has two tracks uh and it's the only state right now uh, iowa closed their last one in may and it's illegal in 42 states, uh, not necessarily illegal in the other eight, but that uh, only West Virginia has uh, two tracks remaining. Well, I mean, you know, I guess your entertainment options in West Virginia are a little limited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, Watching yes. people die of black lung. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's right. Watching you know, apples. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Uh, but uh, no, I, I just wanted to give you my opinion on on that, and then, uh, by, heck, by the time y'all on the air tomorrow morning, you're going to have quite a quite a few people on the leaderboard at the uh, the open. Oh, that's right, so that's, that's right. Uh, I think they're six hours ahead of us. So uh, come uh, yeah. uh, eight o'clock, uh, it'll be approximately uh, two o'clock over in uh, Old Mario, Scotland. So uh, we'll see how the leaderboard's going to. We'll give you some shout outs on that, and if you do like to call in and help us out a little bit we'd appreciate it all right man well sounds good y'all have a have a good day all righty thank you uh box anyway uh yeah we'll see we'll do a little more i need to make a note here to find out a little bit more about horse racing that's over in england right now uh uh, with the horse racing but we'll try to see what's going to take place here in the states in that regard anyway jeff uh, time for our next uh break you're listening to uh bayou sports here on kane radio fm 1075 and am 1240 we'll be back with more right after this is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one hi this is jake blanchard with la classic roofing we're a third generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years as a locally owned and operated company we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind we offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. The Quarter Tavern is the premier spot for live music. Be there this Thursday for Southern Jack Productions. Remember, never a cover at the Quarter Tavern. 19 TVs has you covered for sports. No bar with more outdoor seating. Quarter Tavern, 910 East Main across from McDonald's. The best drink prices in DeBerry. Domestic beer now just $2. Imports $3 all day, every day, other than during bands and special benefits. And don't forget, Quarter Tavern now serving fresh fruit, margaritas, and daiquiris. Is it time for a new roof or to repair the old one? Hi, this is Jake Blanchard with L.A. Classic Roofing. We're a third-generation roofing contractor that has been in the business for over 70 years. As a locally owned and operated company, we're also licensed and insured for your peace of mind. We offer free estimates and a $100 referral fee for full roof replacement. Check us out on Facebook at L.A. Classic Roofing. And the number to call is 465-3888. L.A. Classic Roofing, professional roofing solutions since the 1950s. Hi, this is Boxcar Bajlow, inviting you to join me and PGA Golf professional Teddy Slyman for Chip Shots. Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m., we'll take an in-depth look at the local, state, and national golf scenes. And we invite you to chip in with your calls at 367-1240. Chip Shots is sponsored by the Coca-Cola Bottling Company, GolfBalls.com, and our local golf clubs. 
Eagle Ridge, Kangro, and Sugar Oak. So let's make it tea time for 5 p.m. on Mondays for Chip Shots on Kane. Dream us live on Kane1240.com and catch the podcast the next day. Now back to Bayou Sports. Phone lines are open to talk sports at 367-1240. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on a Wednesday, July 13th, uh, here at Kane Radio, FM 1075 AM 1240. And, Jeff, when I was coming in this morning uh, listening to the news uh, on Kane, I heard a, a spot, and uh, I'm poorly prepared for it, but I, I'd like to chat about it a little bit and bring it up, and maybe we can find somebody that uh, would know a little bit more about it. Is that the lack of officials in, for high school sports here in the state of Louisiana, it's it's getting to be a problem, too. Uh, and especially, you know, if kids want to play sports here and compete against each other, uh, and the lack of high school sports, we've seen it for many years where the – they have to have games played on Thursday due to the fact that they don't have enough officials to uh, play games on uh, all Friday evenings, and that that's really a big-time issue. You know, we, we've talked about this uh, truck who, uh, uh, our boss, uh, who lives in the home of Thibodeau area, that association doesn't seem to have a problem. But it did sound like, and that was an LN story, uh, and, right. and I've got something that I can pull up here in just about 10 seconds uh, because I'm involved in something else uh, on that particular computer right now. But yeah, Ellen did a story, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing it uh, throughout the day, uh, aspects of it. But uh, Lee Sanders, uh, LHSAA Assistant Executive Director, says they need at least 4,000 officials. 4,000. Wow. It caused our numbers to dip, and we're working to get them back up. But until we do, you know, we're seeing extreme pressure on our officiating rosters in all communities around our state, and that impacts our ability to play sports. And again, Sanders says instead of Friday night lights for football, more and more games are being scheduled for Thursday and Saturday to ensure that they have enough game officials. He says there are a lot of benefits to being a referee. Love the game and want to stay connected, give back to your community, earn a little extra spending money, stay active, uh, join the officiating community, learn life skills, travel. Travel. <laughs> oh, yes. That is, is because of training. Officiating is challenging and difficult. However, it's very rewarding. So we're looking for ways to uh, provide better training. There you go. So, yeah, it's it's a real thing, and we, we've known about it here, but maybe it's more pervasive or getting more pervasive throughout the rest of the state that yeah. they're taking note. You wonder if the larger cities like New Orleans, Baton Rouge, uh, Shreveport, possibly uh, Lake Charles and Monroe, those hubs around the state uh, trying to find – when he said 4,000, I'm curious – uh, is that just for football or in all sports? You know? I, I would imagine both. They referenced volleyball. Too, okay. So. Yeah, and uh, not knowing much about the game of volleyball, uh, you know, the scoring has changed. But the, the need for high school uh, officials, and I think they're compensated pretty well. Of course, you've got to put up sometimes with unruly mm-hmm. fans, uh, and that's getting look to get a bigger problem, I think, today than what it was uh uh, as little as 10 and 15 years ago with the fans in the stands getting just uh, sometimes just out of control, especially with baseball umpires, uh, which uh, parents uh, tend to, uh, you know, voice their opinions. And in the small stadiums, uh, you can hear their voices around the around from third base to first base. So it's uh, it's a it's a tough job, but it's like you said, it is a lot of uh, pluses to it, and uh, being involved still, if you love the sport of baseball, or whether it be basketball or football or tennis, uh, or as little small sports as golf, and uh, also uh, with swimming. So there, there's opportunities out there. I don't know if you had anything else uh, to bring up about. Uh, the officials here in the state of Louisiana. But, uh, hey, folks, if you're listening and uh, ways to make a little extra money uh, for gas, for that matter, and I think they do compensate you for your mileage on your automobile or uh, and expenses that may come into place. But uh, it's a rewarding experience. I know uh, I looked into it uh, back in the day uh, in basketball and went to some clinics and all uh, and just got caught up with uh, work and just couldn't get away from work on some Tuesdays or Friday nights for games, and uh, I had to uh, drop it. But it's uh, it's an interesting uh, field to be in. Yeah, I was an umpire, a uh, Little League umpire when I was in high school. I 
thought it was a great way to stay connected to the game, even though I was playing Legion Ball or what equated to Legion Ball up there. The um, the idea that I'd make some money being at the ballpark, doing what I like to do, and, and of course I've made a career of uh, doing what I like to do, and the idea that uh, you know if you like your job, uh, you never work a single day kind of That's attitude. Right. You know? that, boy, there's a big plus in that, too, that you never went to work. All you did was go and play, and that's how much you enjoy your job each day. But uh, officials, uh, folks, if you're interested, I'm sure you can go into the Louisiana High School Athletics site and uh, pull up the website and just uh, knock around, just negotiate a little bit and look for uh, officials and uh, how you can get involved. I'd love to see a few people from this community, a half dozen, dozen, maybe get involved locally, whether it be like uh, Jeff mentioned, uh, whether it be Little League or – or get involved in high school football, officiating basketball, baseball, or volleyball, whatever the case may be, softball. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's rewarding. Uh, you, you, you learn to meet a lot of friends, too, in that regard, uh, whether they be adversaries or just uh, good friends over the years. It's just something I think uh, we need people to think about and look more into uh, sacrificing and volunteering uh, but you are compensated pretty well, so a little extra cash. And, you know, for folks, obviously you need to be healthy enough to be able to do it, especially football or uh, basketball, but it's an opportunity to get a good workout, too. No, it, that it is, and uh, I think the, it's, uh, and like I said, you're going to meet, and you're going to watch us, some outstanding players, too, over a period of time. And I, I've known some officials uh, back in the day, uh, a couple of gentlemen, uh, they coached, uh, I should say coached, they officiated high school football for 30, 35 years. And they got a lot of enjoyment out of it. So it's something to keep in mind, uh, whether it be, like I said, football, basketball, baseball, softball. Um, it's just something uh, the Louisiana needs uh, a lot more of. And uh, and when they come out uh, over the airwaves talking about it, it, uh, it looks like it is a, a need and a big problem, too. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't hear that of basketball uh, a shortage. I never really have. And, you know, I, I know my buddy uh, Tommy Plazons would always hate three-man crews. Two-man crews are probably enough. Uh, he would always say that it's just one more to make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just seems like in basketball, it always seems like it's the same official blowing the whistle. <laughs> the other two are looking at each other. And there's certain ways uh, to call those games, uh, How you particularly how you station yourself throughout the court. So, uh, But, folks, uh, just, uh, we're looking for people to get involved in high school sports. So i uh, like to see uh, – a lot. Of, I hate to see where uh, teams can't be able to play because of lack of officials. Uh, that would be sad. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, we we've, we've been as long as I can remember in this association uh, throughout uh, Acadiana, they've been forced to play a Thursday night game That's just right. to spread out the officiating crews. Um, but uh, apparently, it's just becoming a bigger problem statewide. Yeah, and like you mentioned, uh, every team... Hopefully, it's no worse here than it has been. Right. Every team's got to play a Thursday night game somewhere along the line. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and that's not much to ask. No, I agree with you. And, and, uh, and you know, like, you know, when Westgate and Nish had to share a stadium, that was... They, they were going to do uh, a Thursday night game. And also... Um, in Iberia Parish, where they like to play that Thursday night game during uh, the festival. That's right. That's right. That comes into place also. And I can remember years ago, believe it or not, folks, uh, when Catholic High played their games at uh, at Lord G. Porter, they'd share with New Iberia High. Of course, New Iberia High, having uh, the public school access, had precedent. But Catholic High played many a Thursday night game uh, back in the day, So uh, until they had their own stadium years later. Uh, and, uh, folks, uh, again, uh, just kind of reiterating, uh, making use of some officials. If you're interested and love the sport, uh, get involved. Go to Louisiana High School Athletic site and see what you can do. Yeah, lhsaa.org. And also, uh, I'm sure they've got something there to uh, uh, direct you to. But, you know, there are different associations as well throughout the state. So. Yeah, you might have to negotiate a little bit. But I'm sure you could find out a number you could call or someone you can email or correspond with or contact and get involved. No doubt. No doubt. Anyway, time for our next break this morning. You're listening to uh, Kane Radio uh, here on Bayou Sports. 
at 107.5 FM and AM 1240. We'll be back with uh, Today in Sports History right after this. At Arsenal Ford, we're making it even easier with our Ford mobile service van. For your convenience, we have a mobile service solution for you. You provide the vehicle and I'll handle the rest. Ford Mobile Service. We make it easy at Arsenal Ford. Nowadays, none of us can be without adequate insurance coverage, but we still want to be sure we're getting the best value for the money. That's why so many people call the Schwing Insurance Agency to get a quote. The Schwing family has been handling the insurance needs of businesses and homeowners for almost 80 years. You can depend on Schwing Insurance to find the coverage you need at the best price. So before you buy a new policy or renew an existing one, call the Schwing Insurance Agency for a quote at 365-2357. Schwing Insurance, 300 East Main, across from the shadows. Hey guys, if you're looking for the top golf experience in Iberia Parish, you need to look no further than Cane Row Golf and Turf Club. Low or high handicappers will enjoy the beautiful greens, the recently refurbished sand traps, and incredibly plush fairways. And by the way, you don't have to be a golfer to enjoy Cane Row. The brand new clubhouse sports some of the best burgers, pizza, wings, and many other choices along with absolutely the best, most potent margaritas that you've ever tried. So whether it's golf, food, or just some fun, come to Cane Row and enjoy. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Louisiana. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the LHSAA and the Louisiana High School Athletic Directors Association. Now back to Bayou Sports on the all-new Kane 107.5. Welcome back to Bayou Sports here on Kane Radio, FM 107.5 and AM 1240. Today in sports history, of course, hump day, July the 13th. Uh, that's the first one on the list, uh, 1896, uh, Philadelphia outfielder Ed Delaney uh, becomes the second major league uh, to hit four home runs in a game. He had a tragic end, though, Jeff. This guy, he fell into the Niagara River when he was still playing. He was around 35 years of age, and he fell into the river and into the falls and uh, was killed uh, I'm sure drowning, but uh, one of the first great hitters in baseball had a career average of 346. So, wow. Anyway, elsewhere in 1934 on this date, Babe Ruth hits his 700th home run against Detroit. Uh, so the, the Babe uh, played uh, another year or two, uh, I think, with the Boston Braves and ended up with 714. 1941 Men's Golf Championship at Cherry Hills. Uh, Vic Gahisi wins his only major title, beat Byron Nelson in 38-hole playoff. In 1950, doctors removed seven bone fragments from Ted Williams' elbow. He missed uh, a third of the season because of that. Remember, we talked about it yesterday. He ran into the wall and uh, cracked his elbow. Uh, seven bone fragments removed. In 62, British Open. And Raul Troon, Arnold Palmer wins his second consecutive Open by six strokes. In 71, the 42nd Major League All-Star Game at Tiger Stadium. Uh, the AL beats the NL 6-4. Frank Robinson's the MVP with the Orioles. And uh, if you can recall, after when Reggie Jackson hit that massive homer off the light field tower in uh, right field in uh, Tiger Stadium that night. Elsewhere in 72, just, man, you, you think you'd ever see this again. Uh, Robert Ursay and Ro- Cal Rosenblum swap ownership of their teams in the Rams and the Colts. And that was done for tax purposes. It saved Rosenblum $4.4 million in capital gain taxes. I mean, trading your teams like baseball cards, it looked like. But uh, I'm trying to think who got the better end of that deal. Uh, of course, the Colts, uh, uh, approximately 12 years later, uh, as uh, Ursay uh, calls the Mayflower, and they move him to Indianapolis <laughs> during the night. Of course, the Rams, uh, uh, Rosenblum dies, and his wife takes over uh, Frontier, and she has it in with uh, Steve Rosenblum, the, the son, and uh, stepson, rather. Uh, another story for another time. In 79, uh, Nolan Ryan and uh, Steve Renko from Boston each lose no hitters in the ninth inning uh, the same day. 84, the Yankees retire. Roger Maris is number nine, and Elster Howard's number 32. I was thinking uh, Maris was still alive. I think Maris died. 85 86 with uh, esophageal cancer so he was able to enjoy that day as the Yankees retire his number on this date 1994 Tanya Harding's ex-husband Jeff Gooley sentenced to two years for that tackle on figure skater Nancy
Nancy Kerrigan. That made a lot of news, Jeff, oh, <laughs> back in the day. I love those days. Oh, I mean, just took a stick and beat on her uh, on her leg. Uh, wow. Unbelievable. What's amazing is Tanya Harding has made a career out of mocking herself. That's right. Out of it, too. And a, and a pretty good skater too, uh, well, and and, and, and had to take and saying. had to take that kind of uh, measure to make sure she could win. Uh, just crazy. Anyway, in 1994, a former NFL running back and actor O.J. charged with murder. He gave hair samples for testing. Uh, who can remember the Bronco chase uh, back in the day in that year in June 2019? After Athletic League uh, Major League uh, partnership rule changes, Southern uh, Maryland Blue Crabs outfielder Tony Thomas becomes the first player, and I've never heard of this, in professional baseball history to steal first base. Mm. And I forgot to look it up uh, later on, but uh, I've never heard. You always heard the moniker. You can't steal first base, you know, and uh, meaning to get on base, a walk, hit, error, balk, uh, catcher's interference, whatever the case may be, um, miss third strike. Uh, but stealing first base, I've got to look that up and see why. Birthdays today, 1948, Tony Kornheiser was born on this date. Uh, kind of sarcastic sportscaster with ESPN. I'm trying to remember. Long-time that. Washington Post writer. That That is correct. Anyway, journalist, uh on this date, uh, born uh, in 1963, Spud Webb, NBA uh, NBA dunk champion at five foot seven inches. Uh, it's hard to believe he could dunk at five seven. No, no doubt about it. And uh, born on this day in Dallas, Texas. Also in 1982, born Yadier Molina, the Puerto Rican baseball catcher. Of course, uh, Major League All Star, World Series. Uh, a uh, champ in six and eleven, nine-time Gold Glove winner with the St. Louis Cardinals, born in Puerto Rico. Has he announced this being his last year? I think he has. He, the big three: Pujols, Wayne Wright, and uh, Molina. Uh, all uh, think I think this is their last year with all of them. Of course, Good with riddance. yeah, a lot of people are fans with the opposing teams are saying that. Anyway, a uh, quote from baseball by Hall of Fame pitcher Early Win. And he mentions, I have the right to knock down anybody holding a bat. So back in those days, the brushback pitchers, you know, you never saw the umps get involved. You know, these guys had to get out the way. Well, that didn't stop Gene Woodling. Gene Woodling was uh, early wins nemesis. Check this. In, uh, in 19, uh, I think it was 56, he hit home runs on June 24th, July 24th, and August 24th each month against Early Wind. And uh, I don't think Early Wind uh, was knocking him down at all. No, not at all, I'm sure. <laughs> he got him on each day, I know each you, month. you grew up uh, watching Bob Gibson. Uh, he was oh, yeah. a master at it uh, as well, brushing Brushing you back unabashedly. And, you know, the first time uh, I attended uh, the Astrodome, after the game, I uh, went out uh, near the Cardinals locker room to get autographs. And I got a few autographs that night from Cardinal players. And the Gibson pitched that night and got beat 2 to nothing by Bob Bruce, who was the uh, uh, pitcher for the Houston Astros, and went up to Gibson to ask for an autograph. <laughs> he looked at me like I was the last person on earth. I was 12 years old. <laughs> he didn't want me around at all. <laughs> and I just followed him a little ways. It wasn't personal. <laughs> no. I and mean, it, he just had a tough loss. Oh, yeah, and he got on the bus. And an I, upstart team. And my uncle that was with me said, well, another time, another day. Yeah. <laughs> but Bill White and people like that would gladly sign. Steve Carlton got his autograph that night, and uh, he was maybe a 19, 20-year-old. Big guy, too, 6'5", all the 6'5", when you're 12 years old. And a few other Cardinal players that night. So it was a lot of fun. So uh, anyway, uh, like you said, uh, Major League, that was part of the game back then. It was knockdown pitches uh, to get your attention to batters, and um, that part of the game has changed. Yeah, again, to back you off the plate, and yeah, you can still do it. The problem is if you do hit somebody, um, there's more repercussions than it used to be. Yeah, the only man. But, but I, I will tell you this, too, and, and I watch a lot of Cub games. I watch a lot of Yankee games these days, and I'm so tired of players wearing armor lean into pitches and not get called for it. I, I think I've only seen one time where a player, and, and, it, and I think the only reason it was called a strike was because it was in the strike zone, not because the guy leaned into it, but because the pitch was a strike. And uh, you can get hit, but if it's in the strike zone, it's a strike. 
Yeah, and you know, for years, major leaguers didn't wear batting helmets. That came along uh, oh. in the 50s, and now you see him with all this armor. I think Barry Bonds, it looked like, was one of the first ones to wear all that armor on his elbow and uh, his and, shin. And that's and, fine. If you want to wear it, great. But if you get hit in it, in my opinion, and you're not attempting to get out of the way, right? then uh, it's a ball. Yeah. yeah, unless it's in the strike zone. Yeah, in, in I, my opinion, I, yeah, I, agree I see with just that. way too much of it. You know, I, I talked about it uh, when I did the Nish Barb game. These guys got hit eight times, and maybe one of them, one attempt to get out of the way. Yeah, that's that's part of the problem in the game. And I've seen a few times in college, not necessarily Major League Baseball, where they'll call the batter back. You didn't try to get out the way. Come back. Uh-uh. You just don't see it enough. No, you're right. And I think if you'd see it a little bit more, I think you would see him attempt to get out the way. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much today in history and sports on July the 13th, this hump day in 2022. Saw a sad piece of news uh, in my sports world, a guy I watched uh, with the Chicago Bears, Bob Parsons. He uh, played better than a decade with uh, the Bears, uh, fifth-round selection and 1972 punter. Also played some tight end. He'd start 10 games in the 75 season at tight end, but most of his time uh, he was a punter. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania native, averaged uh, nearly 39 yards per kick, 884 punts. Franchise record that stands to the day, also leading the NFL in both punt yardage and in punts during the 81 and 82 seasons. 81 specifically executed a total of 114 punts. Of course, that's because the team was that bad uh-huh. that you know, he had to punt and uh, had so many yards. Uh, actually tried a year in the USFL, and in fact, with the Birmingham Stallions in 84 before uh, hanging up his cleats. But he passed away at the age of 72. Yeah, still young, in my opinion. And, um, you know, those those players, uh, they gave of themselves because they weren't making the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars those guys are making today. Uh, real real futures uh, of the game. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to hear uh, names like that pass on. Yeah, and this I cannot remember the name of the succeeding punter, but he came around at the right time. Because the Bears in 84 uh, had some success getting to the conference championship game. And then, of course, uh, winning the Super Bowl the next year. Uh, but Parsons got out just a little too soon. Yeah, just uh, you think with a punter, if uh, they're still uh, kicking well, they'll keep them around. But then money issues become a problem, too. They want to make more money because of their age and also because of uh, this uh, stability being in the league that long. So And it's hard to pay. Saints lost Martin Anderson like that. They didn't want to pay him a million dollars back then. <laughs> he left to go kick for the Falcons. Came back to beat the Saints. Anyway, uh Anything else, uh, tidbits? Uh, there, there's some stuff on the table, but uh, we can hold it for tomorrow. All right. And try to see how this guy stole first base. I need to find that out. There you go. I want to thank our sponsors, Bayou Sports, brought to us by Arsenal Ford, L.A. Classic Roofing, the Quarter Tavern, Cane Row Golf and Turf Club, and Schwing Insurance. We'll be back with more Bayou Sports tomorrow. Afternoons, Lee K. And the Breakfast Club calling those birthdays at 3, 6, 7, 12, 40. And again, uh, we give away that ice cream birthday cake from Baskin Robbins on Friday. You're listening to KANE 1240 AM and K298CQ 107.5 FM, New Iberia. The voice of the Tash. <laughs>